It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, January 14th, 2022. I'm Kelly Reese and this is the KVMR Evening News. Up ahead on the California Report, early release for more than 200 inmates in two Sacramento County jail facilities following COVID outbreaks. Then science correspondent Al Stoller stops by to shed some light on something many of us have a newfound appreciation for, electricity. We'll take a brief look at local news and weather before Felton Pruitt speaks to Sierra Friends of Tibet founder Joseph Guida about next week's Tibetan Buddhist monk arrival and opening ceremony. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Another chapter in a saga that spanned more than 50 years. Governor Gavin Newsom will not allow Robert Kennedy's killer to be freed from prison, announcing Thursday that he has reversed a decision made by the state's parole board last summer. KQED politics correspondent Marisa Lagos reports. 77-year-old Sirhan Sirhan shot and killed Robert Kennedy in 1968 in Los Angeles after Kennedy won the California presidential primary. After more than 50 years in prison, the State Board of Parole hearings in August recommended Sirhan's release. But Newsom, who calls Kennedy his political hero, says Sirhan would still pose a threat to the public if he were released. Calling the assassination one of the most notorious crimes in American history, Newsom wrote in his decision that Sirhan has still not taken responsibility for his actions at the Ambassador Hotel, which injured five other people. Two of Kennedy's surviving sons have spoken in favor of his release, though Kennedy's widow and a number of his other children remain opposed. For the California Report, I'm Marisa Lagos. As the Omicron variant continues to surge through the country, here is one morsel of welcome news. New data based on Southern California patients show they're not getting as sick as those infected by the Delta strain. KCRW's Tara Atrian has the details. The research is based on medical records from tens of thousands of Kaiser Permanente patients in Southern California. The results are preliminary, but CDC Director Rochelle Walensky says they indicate that people infected with Omicron are substantially less likely to face severe outcomes compared with those who get sick from the Delta variant. No patients with Omicron required mechanical ventilation. Additionally, this study found that those infected with Omicron who were hospitalized had a shorter duration of hospital stay compared to those with Delta. It's the latest study to suggest that Omicron is milder than Delta. However, since the variant is more transmissible, healthcare providers across the Southland are still getting crushed by the sheer number of cases. Many local hospitals are at a breaking point with staffing shortages, and some, like Kaiser Permanente Southern California, are temporarily postponing some elective surgeries to deal with the flood of patients. For the California Report, I'm Tara Atrion in Los Angeles. Worker advocates are calling on Governor Newsom and the state legislature to again require employers to provide two weeks of COVID-19 paid sick leave. The last round expired in September. KQD's Farida Javala Romero reports. California has a permanent paid sick leave law, but it provides just three days per year. With coronavirus cases mounting, that's not enough, say nurses, teachers, and other frontline workers who've had to miss work, often without getting paid. So colleagues are showing up to work after testing positive for COVID-19, says Rhiannon Ramos, a grocery store worker in San Bernardino County. You know, we used to be heroes for the state. You know, there were cartoons of us with capes on our backs. And now we're forced to choose between our bills being paid and the state of public health. 
San Jose State Senator Dave Cortesi chairs the Senate's Labor Committee. He says supplemental paid sick leave is an essential tool to fight the spread of COVID-19. And if we're going to tell them not to move around and not to work, again, we need to pay them. Uh, with these big spikes in case rates, obviously, we need to take action now. The California Chamber of Commerce says they're not opposed, but they're concerned about the cost for employers, especially small ones. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. More than 200 inmates will be released early from two jail facilities in Sacramento County following COVID-19 outbreaks. The Sacramento Bee reports the process began yesterday afternoon and should be completed over the weekend. The Sacramento County Sheriff's Office says it will use the same criteria as last year, releasing those who have 90 days or less on their jail sentence. The sheriff's office says the move was made to provide adequate space to quarantine those who have either tested positive or are at greater risk of contracting COVID. Health officials say there have been more than 120 confirmed COVID-19 cases among inmates in the main jail in downtown Sacramento and in Rio Consumnes Correctional Center near Elk Grove. Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together, on the web at schmidtfutures.com. Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash AdaptingCare. And the Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved youth. And now to a preview of our sister show, the California Reports Weekly Magazine. This weekend is the Jewish holiday Tu Bishvat, a time to gather around food and honor trees and the harvest. In February 2020, for her series, California Foodways, reporter Lisa Morehouse joined a Tu Bishvat celebration of the Motherlode Jewish community in Tuolumne County. No one knew then that the COVID pandemic would soon stop in-person gatherings and create some tensions so many people are still navigating. Rabbi Andre Greenwald leads a Seder that includes eating fruits and nuts indigenous to the Holy Land. In Deuteronomy, we read, For Adonai, your God, is bringing you into a good land. And everyone prepares plates with nuts and crackers, olives and pomegranate seeds, and glasses with wine or grape juice. A land of olive trees and honey, a land wherein you shall eat without scarceness. You shall not lack anything in it. But this was the last time the Motherlode Jewish community met in person, member Jolyn Miller. We had no clue what was going to happen just a month later, huh? They're still meeting on Zoom. They have a lot of older members, people who are immunocompromised. Some members rush to get vaccines and boosters, and a number have chosen not to be vaccinated. It's really common for this area. About 50 percent of Tuolumne County residents are fully vaccinated, compared with over 70 percent of Californians. How do we move forward trying to be respectful of everybody, knowing that the way that this has all turned out is so polarizing. They'll be holding their To Be Shvat celebration online this weekend. You can listen to more of that story on this week's California Report magazine. It's on public radio stations or download the podcast. 
And that's the California Report for Friday, January 14th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer, with assistance from Seal Muller and Jim Bennett. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editors, Ethan Tobin Lindsay, and our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and have a good day and weekend. Turning our attention to regional news, Nevada County Public Health reports 47 new confirmed COVID-19 cases today. 14 people are currently hospitalized. The City of Grass Valley has organized a citywide storm debris pickup on Tuesday, January 18th. City residents with three- to four-digit addresses are encouraged to place woody storm debris in front of residences through Monday, January 17th. Material must be consolidated into piles located in accessible areas such as legal parking spaces and flat lots. On each pickup pile, a visible sign clearly labeled Storm Debris is required. The cleanup event is only for residents within city limits. The U.S. Forest Service has a reminder for those planning on visiting California's national parks this MLK weekend. Be prepared for the aftermath of recent severe weather. Record-breaking snow accumulation may impact access to certain areas. Keep chains on hand and ensure your vehicle is snow-ready. A helpful way to make sure all your bases are covered is to review the Recreate Responsibility Winter Toolkit at recreateresponsibly.org winter. Here you'll find weather conditions, avalanche awareness, and more. And for those choosing to stay local, the Forest Service invites everyone to participate in volunteerism on Monday, January 17th, in recognition and celebration of Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Unlike other federal holidays, Martin Luther King Jr. Day is the only federal holiday designated as a National Day of Service to encourage all Americans to volunteer to improve their communities. AmeriCorps has a page dedicated to MLK Day where you can find volunteer opportunities in your neck of the woods. The Union of Grass Valley reports Sunday, January 16th's sold-out in-concert Sierra performance featuring the acclaimed vocal group Chanticleer is postponed due to the Omicron surge. Artistic director Ken Hardin says he's working with Chanticleer to find a rescheduled date sometime in March. Quote, Chanticleer has been wonderful to work with, and they agree that we're all in this together. Nothing is more important than the well-being of our audience, artists, volunteers, board, staff, and community, end quote. Now let's take a look at regional weather for your holiday weekend. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 40. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high near 60, and winds could pick up reaching 20 miles per hour. Sunday, sunny as well with a high near 58. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 19. Saturday, mostly sunny with a high near 47. Sunday, sunny as well with a high near 46. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 39. Tomorrow, we'll see sun for most of the day with a high near 61. Patchy fog rolls in after 2 a.m. Sunday, that patchy fog continues before 9 a.m., Otherwise, the sun returns with a high near 58. The Refrigerator 
perhaps not the most compelling topic. Most of us use it every day, but never really recognize its steadfast work. Up ahead, science correspondent Al Stoller breaks down what it takes to power common home devices we don't think twice about. Well, after recent weather incidents, some of us may be a bit more appreciative than usual. There ain't no free lunch. That box sitting on the floor, you want that up on the table? It's going to cost you. That pot of cold water, you want that water made hot for tea? It's going to cost you. Not that it's going to cost you in bucks. It's going to cost you in energy. We buy bread by the pound, yarn by the foot. We've got a pretty good feel for how much effort, how much energy it takes to lift a pound of bread. And we've got a pretty good feel for what a foot of yarn looks like. We buy electricity, electrical energy, by the kilowatt hour. The numbers on the electric meter show how many kilowatt hours of energy we've used. But what the heck does a kilowatt hour of energy feel like? Back in the 1800s, scientists did not have any units like pounds and feet for measuring energy. But they did have pounds and feet. Imagine lifting a pound of bread sitting on the table. Imagine lifting that pound of bread straight up, one foot into the air. The amount of energy it took to do that, to lift one pound of anything, one foot, straight up, that amount of energy, back in the 1800s, that amount of energy was called one foot-pound. Lifting ten pounds of bread, one foot into the air, would take ten foot-pounds of energy. These days, the foot-pound is antique. Physicists today measure energy in joules, electron volts, kilowatt hours. So again, what does a kilowatt hour of energy feel like? Just as we can trade one dollar for a hundred pennies, we can trade a kilowatt hour for some number of foot-pounds. To keep the numbers simple, let's not play with kilowatt hours. Kilo means one thousand. A kilowatt hour is a thousand watt hours. To keep the numbers simple, let's play just with watt hours. I went to the government's listing of energy-efficient Gold Star appliances and found that a 30-inch TV set running for one hour would draw 16.5 watt-hours of energy. Converting that to our touchy-feely foot-pounds, we find that in one hour, the TV set consumes 44,000 foot-pounds of energy. As much energy as it would take to lift 44,000 pounds, one foot, off the ground. 44,000 pounds is 22 tons. That TV set uses as much energy as it would take to lift 22 tons, one foot, into the air. An average refrigerator, every hour, consumes roughly 10 times that. A 1,500-watt room heater gobbles up 10 times as much as the fridge. We're talking some serious heavy lifting here, and all we need to do is plug it in and throw the switch. Are there any questions about why we're addicted to electricity? For KVMR, I'm Al Stoller. Next week, Grass Valley welcomes back the Tibetan Buddhist monks. Here with more, Felton Pruitt speaks with Sierra Friends of Tibet founder Joseph Guida about their arrival.
The monks will create the Dukar San Mandala as part of the January 20th opening ceremony at Banner Community Guild. We're talking with Joseph Guida. He's the founder of the Sierra Friends of Tibet, and many of you uh, on KVMR probably know him from the Tibet Radio Hour, which has been on KVMR for the past 30 years. And Joseph, you've got some exciting news about the Tibet Buddhist monks. Yeah, this is uh, a little late for our 20th anniversary visit of the monks from Garden Satse Monastery, which is in exile in South India. And these monks came in at the end of 2019 and ran smack dab into the pandemic. And they've mostly been um, in quarantine or in seclusion for almost two years. And uh, they've, they're going home in early February. And they wanted to come to Grass Valley because the monks from Gadenshatse Monastery in South India have been here 17 out of the last 20 years. Two years were because of the current COVID pandemic. And one year they couldn't get visas. So they're coming back now, and when are they coming, and where are they coming, Joseph? Uh, we're going to open uh, Thursday, January 20th at 7 p.m. for an opening ceremony, and they're making the Dukar uh, San Mandala, which is the deity of the white parasol, which was made in 2001 because the monks were in San Francisco in 2001, and before they came here, their first visit ever to Grass Valley, they read in the news of a great tragedy in the Grass Valley, Nevada City area. Do you recall it, Felton? No, I wasn't living here then. A, a man who was uh, enrolled in a mental health facility uh, went off his meds, went crazy, and attacked people with a gun in the mental health building on Willow Valley Road. Okay. Uh, he shot two people there, and then two people got injured jumping out of windows and falling to the ground. Then he went to a fast food restaurant in the Brunswick area and shot two people. So the monks decided among themselves ever before they got here that they were going to do this mandala, which was the first time this mandala was ever made in the Western world, only made in Tibet and in South India. And that was to protect the community from any more catastrophes or emergencies. Joseph, explain what a mandala is. A mandala is a sacred art. It's a circular and it's made with sand on a table. And after the mandala is complete, then they destroy it. They sweep it up and give a little bit of the sand to every person attending at the closing ceremony, which will be a Saturday morning, January 29th. So the Dukar will protect us all from uh, strange and unusual circumstances and tragedies and emergencies and catastrophes. Boy, we sure could have used that a couple of years ago around here, huh? Yeah. I remember also in 2001, uh, there was uh, supposed to be a gun show at the fairgrounds. And we had a huge snowstorm. And everybody calling into the radio station and writing to the newspaper said it was because of the San Madal the monks made. <laughs> all righty. So where is this all going to happen next week, Joseph? going to be at the Banner Community Guild on uh, 12629 McCourtney Road about a mile away from the fairgrounds. Uh, it has a parking lot in front of the building. It's a brick building on the left side as you're coming from Grass Valley. And it has a big hall, which will be where we make the San Madala. The monks will also doing lectures on Buddhism, uh, the same lectures they did in 2001, uh, how precious this life is, how we age and we suffer, and, how, and we die. So and then we're reborn. So, Joseph, do you know these monks personally? 
Uh, I have not met these. Well, I did meet these monks briefly in uh, 2020 in Auburn, but I'm, I don't really know them. But once they're here, I'll know them. We're talking with Joseph Guida, the founder of the Sierra Friends of Tibet. Uh, he's talking about the Tibetan Buddhist monks coming here next week to the Banner Community Guild. Joseph, tell us a little bit about what the monks are really all about and why they're special to you. They're special to me because they devote themselves to spiritual practice, and they devote themselves to service for others. Now, they can't uh, build your house or do your plumbing or do work your electricity, but they can do spiritual practice. They can pray, and they believe totally 100% in what they're praying for. So they are available for like individual healings or house blessings, land blessings, business blessings, which changes the energy in your house, on your land or your business. Uh, maybe if you have a, a room you don't want to go in or you always stub your toe in a certain room or you have bad relationships with neighbors, things like that they can help with, but they can't do the plumbing or the electricity. Their primary purpose for coming is to keep Tibetan Buddhism alive. As you know, uh, Tibet is now controlled by the Chinese Communist Party, and um, they don't permit any religious practice there. And so they're living in India at the, the generosity of the Indian people and the Indian government. Their secondary purpose is to raise money for the monastery. This is the only way the monastery makes money. It costs $2 a day to feed, clothe, and educate one monk. And there are over 1,000 monks at the monastery and this poor usually pays for the, all the monastery's expenses for an entire year. And where else do they go besides to Grass Valley? Where else does this tour go? They're currently right now in Placerville. Uh, and they've had a, a limited tour because of the pandemic. They started in the summer and they went to Texas, Oklahoma, Arizona, Colorado, Southern California, uh, Placerville now, and then Grass Valley, and then on February 2nd, they're flying back to India. So how do people get more information about next week's event? We have a website, www.sierrafriendsoftibet.org. We have a Facebook page, Sierra Friends of Tibet, and I have a phone number, 530-798-9576. All right. And this all gets underway. What is it? Next, the 20th of January. What day is that next week, Joseph? That's Thursday, January 20th. 7 p.m. is the opening ceremony. And that's at the Banner Community Guild off McCourtney, just past the fairgrounds. Correct. Give the uh, website one more time, and we'll say thanks, Joseph. www.sierrafriendsoftibet.org. All right, the Tibetan Buddhist monks coming to our area next week. We've been talking with Joseph Guida, the founder of the Sierra Friends of Tibet. Joseph, thanks for all the great knowledge and information. Thank you, Felton. That's our newscast for this Friday, January 14, 2022. KVMR gets support from Milkman Toner Company, providing local hometown service for network printers, copiers, and scanners. Carrying environmentally safe, remanufactured toner cartridges with printer support. Serving Northern California counties, also San Francisco to Lake Tahoe. MilkmanCompany.com And Alpine Aviation, since 1990. Offering chartered and scenic flights with personalized schedules and destinations. Plus, flight instruction and aircraft rentals. 
Located at the Nevada County Airport off Loma Rica Road, Grass Valley. FlyAlpine.com Stick around, up ahead at 6.30, we'll hear the California Report magazine. The Report's Sasha Coca speaks with visual artist and author Jamie Cortez about his new book of short stories. It's set in the Central Coast farm worker camps he grew up in of Watsonville and San Juan Batista. Cortez says the collection is a semi-autobiographical journey of queer self-discovery and complex identities that don't fit the usual stereotypes of Steinbeck country. Then we venture to familiar territory, Gold Country, where reporter Lisa Morehouse continues her series, California Foodways. At 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for listening to the news this evening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day.